Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our 217faith.church service, the church that fits your schedule. In today's message, we like to speak about the great I am, God, our light source out of darkness, the giver of hope, which will lead us into his loving arms. Please remain with us to learn more. I'm so glad to have you at 217faith.church, where we believe in preaching a godly biblical perspective, putting others first, and living out a Christ-like faith in action. We humbly greet you in the name of the Lord, and we hope that you will hear God's word today and be moved to put your own faith to work. We'd like to direct you to our ministry website at 217faith.church, where you may find previous services and other teachings to aid you in your Christian walk. Also, opportunities to put your faith into action. During the next month, we invite you to join us supporting One for Israel, an organization based out of Israel whose purpose is to serve Messiah Jesus by sharing the gospel with Israel and the world, making disciples, training leaders, and blessing their communities in the name of Yeshua. They bring the gospel of Jesus to his chosen people. The Apostle Paul reminded the church in Rome of this godly mission. He said, brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Romans 10.1. After all, the gospel is meant for the Jews first, then the Gentiles. It is not either or, but it is both. It is for us who have already discovered a relationship with our Savior. And it is then at our, our responsibility to tell others, especially those whom God called first. Please join us today in supporting this wonderful organization. Go ahead and, and visit their website, uh, oneforisrael.org. Give directly on their page. It's, it's spelled just one word and help us to bring God's word to all of God's children in the fellowship of believer. Please, please pray about your gift. And as God guides you and leads you, give freely. While you're visiting our ministry website at 217faith.church, there will be there more details in putting your faith into action. Of course, while there, don't forget the resources that we've made available uh, for your Christian experience, available through our ministry website and wherever books are sold. We indeed pray that God will bless your life through the experience of these books, all for his honor and glory. Amen. And so our scripture for today comes from the book of John, chapter 8, verses 2 through 12. Now, early in the morning, he, meaning Jesus, came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. He sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such a person be stoned. But what do you say? 
This they said, testing him, that they might have something to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear what they were saying. So when they continue asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin amongst you, let him cast and throw the first stone. And again, he went down and began to write on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went away one by one, beginning with the eldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had risen himself again and saw that no one was there but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those that accuse you? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now then Jesus spoke to the people again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. May God indeed add a blessing to the reading of his word this, this day. Why must we know God and know him by his name? So that we will not be persuaded and deceived by the lies of this world and corrupt our hope in Christ, which is what the enemy of this world is trying to do. More and more governments worldwide are seeking to tighten their grip on their people, controlling their choices, dismissing their concerns, and dictating what truth is. If we don't know who God is, then we will fall for the enemy's lies. We will surrender our God-given right to choose him and not simply be spoon-fed lies that we will swallow and accept. Resist the devil, says the scripture, my friends, and he will flee from you. But flirt with him, I will add, and let the devil take over. Let wrong become right, and we will be destroyed. Much like Adam and Eve, it won't be only a physical death, but a spiritual one. Please get to know God by name, the great I am, the creator of all things, and trust in his glorious name above all things. A while back, we shared with you a story of Moses, and we asked the question, what's in the name, right? A famous quote from the play Romeo and Juliet, and we spent some time defining the name of Moses and that of his father-in-law, Jethro, looking at the implications of such names and the meaning behind the names. And so today we want to continue in this season of Advent or, or waiting for the birth of our Savior. We want to revisit this idea of what's in a name. But for our message today, we want to focus on one of our Savior's names, and that is the light of the world. More than that, we want to look at the second I am statement that Jesus made during his time on earth. I'm referring, of course, to one of his names. I am the light of the world. You see, for you and for me, saying I am is a basic form of introduction. Good morning, I am Moy Hernandez. For example, if I were to go to my children's school, I would say, hello, I am Josie and Josh and Josh's father. At work, I may say, how may I help you? I'm one of the managers. When speaking about my spouse, I may say, I am in love with so-and-so. Well, Erica, in my case. When we're trying to make amends for our past sins, we may say, I am sorry. I am then is a simple language used to introduce a person and establish a personal connection to a situation. In the passage of scripture that, was, that we read earlier, Jesus establishes such a connection with whom he is. What's in the name we could ask? Well, when God called Moses all those years ago to go into Egypt and to save his people. In fact, we read about this in the book of Exodus. Moses asked God, if the people ask me who sent you, 
Why do I tell them? And God's response was, tell them I am sent you. In other words, for Jesus to use the same language is to claim for himself who he truly is. When he says, I am the light of the world in the same language that God used with Moses. Therefore, Jesus is the great I am, the one in the same that sent Moses to Pharaoh to set the people free. The same I am who forgives us of our sins. The same I am who has a plan for each of us, a plan full of hope and future. The same I am that calls us to repentance and to obedience. In our scripture for today, after forgiving a sinner, a woman trapped in the darkness of her ungodly action, there is no condemnation from the Son of God. Did you notice that? But there is restoration and encouragement and direction. And he does it all under the umbrella of the I am statement. Basically, he says, because I am God, this is Jesus speaking, I forgive you. Jesus proclaims a few verses later, I am the light of the world. Therefore, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light in life. Have you ever gotten lost or gotten up in the middle of the night and needed to, to use the restroom or get a drink of water? Usually you walk about, right, very carefully with your hands out, maybe shuffling your feet to make sure you don't trip on anything. Your hands are out in front of you, right, trying to feel for something familiar, a door, a wall, something that you can use as a point of reference in the darkness so that you know where you are going. At times, perhaps like me, maybe you stump your toe and you walk right into something. As a result, you may trip, you may fall, you may hurt yourself. Verse 12 of John 8 is truly more so connected really with the following passage in John chapter 8, referring to the light of the temple and how Jesus claims to be a lasting light. Yet I believe that it has an additional meaning that can travel backwards into the content of the entire chapter in our scripture for today. Here's what I mean. Jesus' words are always meant to bring us hope. Not hope for the darkness of the night. You can get yourself a nightlight for that. But hope that while we may be neck deep in our sin, while we may wonder about trying to find meaning in this world, as we stumble in the darkness, making one poor choice after another, Jesus is the light that will point us in the right direction, a direction of repentance and faith in action through him. Therefore, when you and I come seeking his grace and we say, Lord, I cannot see where I am going. I have lost my way. He will respond, follow me, for I am the light of the world. A light found in our private times of prayers. A light found as we read his word. A light that is found in the fellowship of believers. You see, dark is nothing to mess with. I would often tell my children as they were younger and growing up, I said, why would you want to be out late at night? It's hard to see and it's easy to fall into trouble. I'm sure we have all at some point gotten into some sort of trouble under the cover of darkness. So maybe it's just me. Our corrupted governors around the world continue to practice misdirection at night so that others won't see their evil deeds. In our Bible story for today, I believe we have such a character. We have this woman, yes, that had given into her physical desires and was living a promiscuous life. Now, don't worry, there is a sinful man, of course, and we're going to come back to him in just a second. But so much so that the whole town seems to be aware of her actions. And when it fits their evil plans, they catch her in the act, right? And they bring her to Jesus for verdict and for judgment. 
It was a trap, of course. They cared not for this woman's uh, deprived condition. They only wanted to use her as a means to develop their evil plans. And so in verses 1 through 11 of John 8, we find this wonderful story of Jesus' reaction to it all. When all is said and done, Jesus' response to her in the crowd shows us a bit of a twist in the story. And it shines a light on the grace and the mercy of God. The grace and mercy that we are awaiting in this season of Advent. At one point, Jesus begins to write on the ground, right? As the mob makes their case. Uh, we don't know what he was writing. We can only speculate. But I wonder if he was writing, I am love. I am mercy. I am hope. Wouldn't that be great if that was the case? We want to focus on three elementary things this morning to gain a deeper understanding of this story and how it applies to you and to me in relationship to how we can better know our Heavenly Father. First of all, let's look at the law. What do I mean by that? Well, the people come to Moses quoting law, right? The law of God, of course, and after Moses delivered the people of Israel from the bondage in Egypt, remember after the I am, God sent them, God brings them to the foot of the mountain and he gives them what we call, what we know as the Ten Commandments, a set of laws to help them establish their culture and set them apart from other nations around them. In fact, out of those 10, God eventually develops them later on into over 600 laws for the people to follow. Now, you may be thinking that this is impossible number for anyone to follow. Yet, by comparison, I did a search uh, recently in the U.S. since the late 1700s. It is estimated that between 15,000 and up to 50,000 laws have been passed. In Florida alone, where we're based, we have 48 statutes of headings. And under each, there are several laws that get passed each year. Unlike today, those laws, of course, in the time of Moses and in our time, uh, were very specific and perhaps in those times well ahead of their time. It asked the people to follow a higher standard of living so that they might be an example of what God expected from his creation to the rest of the world. You see, the purpose of the law was simple. In fact, no different than what the laws do now. Laws are meant to identify when we do something wrong or to tell us don't do that because that's considered wrong. The marble people that came to Jesus tried to utilize the law as a stepping point to trap Jesus. You see, first they reminded him, well, Moses commanded this, that we should stone any woman that have found an adulterous relationship. Sounds like the Bible, right? Sounds like something we were reading in the Old Testament. Yeah, there's no such specific law in the word of God. Three times in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, Leviticus, chapter 20, and then in Deuteronomy, chapter 22, the word adultery is used, but never in such a specific manner towards one gender or the other. Yes, death was the penalty, but not just for the woman, but for the man as well. Later on, in fact, Jesus seems to expand on those laws when he says, hey, guys, if you even look at a woman funny with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. So where is the other part of the equation? Where is the man? After all, adultery is a two-person thing, isn't it? Ah, this tells us right away that while they are hiding behind the law, they truly do not care for it. They are biased in their condemnation and only want to catch Jesus in a bogus trap. But you see, while the duty of the law is to point out the wrong we do or that we can do, laws must still be enforced, correct? Even in our legal system today, a judge passes a ruling after evidence has been presented, hopefully a good judge. 
The judge can choose to be lenient or throw the book at the offender, depending on any previous offenses. In this case, and forgive the pun, the judge is Jesus. He's not convinced by their arguments. They do not understand who they are dealing with. And Jesus, of course, sees right through them and turns their schemes back on them. And what we can call a perfect application of the spirit of the law of God's law. While this group of idiots that came to Jesus were only interested in dragging this poor sinner through the door, humiliating her and passing her judgment on her, on her, Jesus sees in her what he sees in us. Yes, she was a sinner, but so are you and me. The Apostle Paul reminds us that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus says elsewhere in the Bible that if we break one law, we are guilty of breaking all of them. So if we stop living our lives how God expects us to, we might as well be guilty of the whole thing. While Jesus had not yet died on the cross for the sins of this adulterous woman, and yes, the adulterous man as well, he's about to show them that even the law must be interpreted to the lens of mercy and the lens of love. That's why God gave them in the first place. Jesus gives his rebuttal and tells the crowd, okay, let's do what you want to do. But wait, he who has no sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. The great I am, the light of the world, issues laws to expose their own sins. To put everyone at the same level as the sinful woman, which we are. No sin? Is there no such person? Only one in the crowd. And that was Jesus himself. Jesus, the perfect judge, one motivated by love. Because while he lived as a man, the Bible tells us that he was tempted like you and I are. But unlike us, he never gave into those temptations. You see, my friends, that is not a sin to be tempted. That's what the devil does. But it is a sin when we commit the act that the temptation is luring us into. And so our second lesson for today is how Jesus turns things around and chooses love rather than mere punishment. He points how the law really is about love and not punishment. Let us not be mistaken. Laws are in place to point out the wrongdoings, but also to set a precedent as to what the punishment must be. After all, as a civilized society, we cannot all be running around doing everything we want. Perhaps some of you have had your running with the law and have often uh, you know, pleaded for leniency, which is another word for mercy from a judge. When uh, we served as uh, full-time ministers uh, back west, uh, on several occasions, I had the opportunity to go uh, before a judge and plead on behalf of a person, someone whom I thought I could give a positive character witness because of the interactions we've had. Of course, it didn't always work. Uh, I didn't always have a, a lenient judge, but sometimes it did. And in our case today, the woman found herself in front of a loving and merciful judge more interested in developing her individual character rather than merely passing judgment on the obvious. So after challenging the crowd, the mob begins to disappear one by one until only Jesus and this emotionally battered woman are left behind. Jesus looks at the accused and he says, where are they? The people that condemned you, where are they? The woman looks around and says, I don't know. No one is here. And Jesus showing us his true nature, God says, then neither do I condemn you. And then he says, go now and leave your life of sin, tells us other translations. 
Jesus knows it is difficult to be human. For example, to struggle daily with addiction or temptations, with doubt and disbelief, to give into our weakness and past mistakes. But I also believe that the, that the lesson for us, as, as it was for the sinful woman, is that God doesn't see us for what we did or who we used to be, but he sees the potential in us to be who he can transform us to be. We are more than the sum of the things that we have done. And when we come to Jesus, he does not throw the book at us, but he shows us kindness and compassion, as we spoke about a few weeks ago. In fact, we all probably have heard of no John 3.16, right? But have you ever heard of John 3.17? It reads, God did not send his son into the world to judge or to condemn it, but so that the world might be saved through him. Therefore, if we believe that, we can be saved from our sin. Jesus will soon die for the soon of all humanity, <clears throat> past, present, and future. So why not begin to spread that amazing grace on this poor soul in front of him, which is exactly what he did. But notice that he doesn't let her get away with what she's doing, right? He does not give her permission to keep on doing what she's doing. He doesn't say, you go be you, live your best life, and be who you feel you are. No. His response is, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. As the law points our sin in our lives, it is our responsibility to repent from it. Repentance means that we go in the opposite direction to stop doing the very things that we're doing. Therefore, if you know you are doing something you should not, repent and seek God, his help, that you may stop doing those things. You might think this woman deserved everything coming her way, but then again, so do you and so do I. And that's what Jesus points out to the angry crowd. We ask a judge for leniency. We ask the police officer to just give us a warning when we get pulled over. Uh, we request our teachers to give us a second chance. Friends, that was, that's what God's love is all about. That's what it means for him to be a light. It is about giving us a second, a third, and even more opportunities to get it right, to guide us out of sin, out of darkness in this world, and back into his loving arms. Which brings us then to our last lesson for today. From the law to God's love to finally where we started, to the light. You see, following this event with this, uh, with this uh, lady, Jesus heads to the temple and begins teaching the congregation there. And this is where he speaks these words, right? Perhaps some of the people at the, at the congregation were probably some of the same people that were ready to stone this poor woman over there, right? And there he proclaims, I am, right? I am the law. I am love, but I am also light. Follow me, he says. Obey the law. Choose right over wrong. Choose love over hate. And you too can live in the life. Did you know that there's no such thing as darkness, but simply the absence of light? But we can recreate in many ways light. There's only one way to recreate darkness, and that is to remove light from it, right? You and I walk uh, a path that we have either carved out for ourselves or one that we are faithfully following as we believe God is leading us, right? As we seek to understand God's will in our lives. And yet sometimes we wander off. We lose sight of the magnificence of the light and perhaps we get lost. We seek other light sources, but often they fade away. And Jesus promises that if we remain in him, we will never live in darkness, but always have his guiding light. How do we find such a light? Well, 
If I've told you once, I've told you a hundred times. We must seek the light. We must spend time in the light. Psalm 119, 105 says, we read that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a path, a light unto our path. When Jesus forgave the woman, do you think a weight was lifted off her shoulders? I hope so. Did she begin to see a glimmer of hope in her future? I hope so. I'm sure she thought she was a goner. Yet here's an opportunity to begin afresh. God sent Moses to rescue the people, granting them an opportunity to begin a new life and to live a different life from the other nations around them. They found success when they stayed near the light. And when they didn't, then they got themselves in trouble. Jesus shows us love even through the law, a love that becomes a light in the darkness of our sins. Do you feel forgiven and with a new opportunity to try again when you repent of your disobedience and learn to trust in God's love again? This may be a, a simple description of what you and I go through as well. Darkness can seem bleak, devastating, and hopeless. Yet darkness can never overcome the light. Look at space and how vast it is. Mostly darkness, we would say, right? Yet throughout this darkness, we can see the evidence of light in billions of dots of stars all over the place. What dark conditions do you find yourself in today? Can you see the light of hope in the great I am at the end? Or have you not been able to locate it yet? Can you call on the Lord by name, the great I am, and ask him to give you and get you out of the darkness, grant you holy purpose, and help you to love others even when they have wronged you? Perhaps you're still wondering about trying to find your way. But I want to tell you today that you do not have to find your way. Just simply be still and ask God to come to you. He knows exactly where to find you if you only open your heart to his great love. We are all incredibly guilty, aren't we? Yet Jesus came to take our verdict, to take the punishment that we deserve, and in so doing to point us away from darkness and the bondage of sin into his marvelous light. Do we understand what God has done on our behalf through his son, Jesus? Do we understand why he came as a baby in the first place? The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53, 4 says, Certainly our sickness he carried and our sufferings he bore. He was pierced because of our rebellion and crushed for our crimes. He made us whole by taking upon himself our punishment and healing our wounds, even as we have wandered away. Like a lamb, he says to the slatter, he did not offer a defense for himself, but took upon his body the verdict that we deserve. I am guilty of my sin. I am deserving of his consequences. I am therefore lost in darkness. Yet God in his wisdom sent his son to fulfill the law, demonstrating his love so that he could shine away for you and for me to come back to him. Jesus is indeed the light of the world because he brings us hope. He brings us peace. He brings us joy. And yes, above all, he shows us love. What you and I do with that is the choice we must make from this day forth. Perhaps you have never received or accepted the gift of forgiveness that God offers us. And so I pray that you may have been listening to this morning. And I invite you to choose for yourself today. Will you continue to walk in darkness or seek the light of God? 
You may have perhaps given your life over to Jesus before, but have wandered away and gotten lost. And so today is the day to stop wandering, turn away from sin, and return to him like a loving father. He is waiting for you and for me. We want to pray together now. And I invite you to join me, to kneel right there on the altar of your own heart and make your decision today so that we may seek the light of our loving Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Our Father, you who are in heaven, you are holy and you are loving and you are the only source of true light that guides us out of our sin and back into your loving presence. Help us, we pray, to accept your gift of forgiveness. Help us to accept that you do not condemn us for the wrongs that we have done. But you offer us peace and grace and a new opportunity to get back on track with you. Thank you for your mercy that we witness today in the life of that woman, the adulterous woman. And while we are not more deserving than she was, thank you that you extend such restoration to us as well. As we turn from our sin and we walk your way, help us and strengthen our faith and our belief in you as a good father. For Lord, we want to be around you because we know you want what's best for us. Lord, help us to seek you daily in your word. Illuminate every aspect of our lives to walk according to your laws so that we too may succeed in all that we do. What's in the name? Well, you are name is holy. Your name reflects the true nature of God. You who are God, you who are the law, you who are love, you who are the light. Expose our darkness today. Drive it away, we pray. As we seek a closer relationship with you today, see us through our situation, we pray. And as you do, encourage us along the way, reminding us that you are indeed with us and that you do not forsake us. May it be so, Father, for your honor and glory. And we will be careful to witness to others about your ongoing goodness and light in our lives. For it is in Jesus, the great I am, the light of this world that we pray. Amen. We are so grateful to have had you with us in the service today. And we pray that you will be motivated to put your faith in God into action. So would you please visit our website, 217faith.church. Or as you watch us here on YouTube or Facebook or, or a link on Twitter, please help us to spread the word by liking and sharing and by clicking those notification forms, uh, bells to help us get the word out. God's calling truly humbles us to live and to preach his message of hope and love of invitation. So join us, and together we can reach more who surely need God's welcoming word of grace today. And so until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his face to you and grant you peace. So until next time, go in the full assurance that God loves you so much. So much so that he does not condemn you, but sent his son so that we may find our way back to him. He I am. He is our father who loves us and wants to guide us out of darkness into his wonderful light. May God bless you.